We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to round two of today's podcast schedule. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com, and it is film room time. We're going to dive today into the Notre Dame cornerback board for 2022. Thank you, ma'am, that my wife brought me some tea because she is a wonderful lady. Uh, But uh, we're going to dive into the Notre Dame cornerback board in 2022, and this has been a very interesting recruitment. It's been a for Notre Dame, it's been a very up and down, not up and down in a bad way. I guess that's roller coaster from the standpoint of a lot of changes. There's been guys that were on the board that are no longer on the board, guys that Notre Dame kind of had to battle to again with get in with that they're now in with. It's just been a lot of different names coming in and out. And they're in a position now where you've got one cornerback committed in Jaden Mickey. We're going to talk about him tonight. We'll actually start off with him when we dive into um, just kind of what we're we dive in the film. We'll start off with him, but they're in position now where I expect this class to be done, potentially done before the summer's over. And there's a cornerback class to be had by Notre Dame. Now, Mike Mickens has still got to close, right? He's put them in great position along with, with Marcus Freeman. They've put themselves in great position to close with an excellent cornerback class. Now it's about closing, and they're going to get guys on campus. So we're going to start the show off tonight by talking about what I look for in a cornerback recruit, the traits that I look for when I break down film, both highlight film and game film. We'll dive into the board. We'll go with Jade and Mickey first, then we'll kind of dive into uh, my ranking of the board. We'll go through uh, we'll go through uh, several different players and uh, and break down their film. But here's the board as I see it for Notre Dame. And that's kind of what we're gonna what we're gonna kick off with today is just 
the board as I see it for Notre Dame, the 2022 cornerback for board for Notre Dame. And obviously it starts with Jaden Mickey, who's currently committed to Notre Dame. As you can see here, he's ranked as a four-star recruit across the board. 247 Sports ranks him as number 184, ESPN at number 264. Rivals has him uh, outside their top 300 or top 250. He was a top 250 player for me based on sophomore film. Jaden has jumped up to a top one, clearly top 150 player after a brief but dominant junior season in which he improved on a lot of the things that I'm looking for in a cornerback. Number two is Benjamin Morrison. You can see from Phoenix, Arizona, Notre Dame has had some success there, obviously, with Tosh Baker recently. Uh, Cole Luke was from that area, so they have had some success there. It's an area where I know Notre Dame would like to get more involved. Moving forward, another consensus four-star player. You look at a guy that I think is very underrated, even though he is a consensus four-star player. He's one of those guys, as you look at, he's got an Alabama offer. Alabama's pushing for him. Schools from all over the country are pushing for him. His offer list, his film, and the way that schools are going after him, to me, speak better than what those rankings are. And those are respectable rankings, in my opinion. Next up on the list is Devin Moore, the most criminally underrated player in this class outside of maybe Xavion Bradshaw. Those two are in competition. He is the Xavion Bradshaw of the defense, in, in my opinion. When you look at his size, his athleticism, his production, where he's from, his offer list. like To me, there's nothing that says three-star about this kid other than the fact that people rank him as a three-star. So to me, he's a guy that I expect to move up the list. Next is Nakai Martinez from Apopka, Florida. And I, it, you're, you're noticing there's some Florida kids on this list and, and, and other boards. Notre Dame is getting more involved in Florida, which I like. They're being more aggressive in the state, going after more players in the state. Nakai is ranked, Rivals is very high on him. ESPN has, has him outside of their top 300, but still is a four-star, and 247 Sports has him as a three-star player too. He's an intriguing player. We'll dive into kind of where I... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I see him as we get down the list. Next up for me is Jaden Bellamy. Consensus three-star recruit, but he's an ascending player. Very impressive offer list. Ohio State's going to have him in campus for an official visit. Clemson has offered him recently. And, of course, Notre Dame is recruiting him as well. Very versatile player. And then last on my list is Jair Brown, who's currently committed to Ohio State. Consensus four-star player and the most highly ranked recruit on this class, according to the services. Uh, for me, I don't have him as high as others, and we'll get into that as we dive into the film. But that currently is the, the Notre Dame board right now of realistic targets on the board. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. 
which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So next, let's dive into sort of what I look for when I break down a cornerback. And it really boils down to five big categories and then certain things within it. And the first one, and this is always going to be the first thing I look at because it's the easiest thing to evaluate or the most noticeable thing when you pop in film or you look at photos and you meet a kid in person is, is his size. So what you look for is just evaluating what the size is. Is he, is he tall? Is he short? Is he kind of in the middle? Uh, is he a guy that's got whatever his height is? Does he have long arms? I think that's important. You can see a six foot six one guy with shorter arms is not going to have necessarily the range uh, in coverage as a maybe a five ten five eleven guy with much longer arms. That to me is more important uh, when I look at a cornerback than necessarily height. It's length, and and length is important because essentially when you think about wingspan, you think about this is you know we talked about catch radius. Well, a cornerback has sort of a similar version of that, and that is that. I, I need to make myself as big of a target to throw around as possible. I need to make sure that the quarterback has to either adjust the angles he's going to throw with, or he's got to make sure he's really precise because of my com- combination of length and height. Ideally, you like a guy that has height and length because that only assists in his ability to, to be a, a tough target to throw around. And then, of course, the strength part comes from how is he in run support, how is he able to handle press? Does he have powerful hands? Does he have strong hands? Is he a guy that can be physical as a route runner, or does bigger receivers push him off? Those are things that I look for as well. Next is athletic ability. And, and as I usually say, in most pos- skill positions, I'm going to be this way. I'm going to talk about speed and athleticism as two different things. Obviously, speed is part of athleticism, but I feel like because of the way people look at speed, Speed is a whole lot different than just being athletic. And at being athletic, you can be very athletic and not necessarily really fast. And you can be fast and not necessarily an elite athlete. And so we, so to me, they're two different things. And for a cornerback, it's especially important because it there's a lot that has to go on athletically before you can show your speed as a corner. And that comes down to things like foot quickness and agility. Foot quickness is and agility to me are two different things. Foot quickness is simply just how quickly your feet move. Agility is more has to do with the ability to plant and redirect. That is more of a foot agility thing. What is your balance like? And that because you're gonna you're not going to be running. You're going to be in, involved in a lot of hand to hand combat and those type of things. Flexibility is a big thing for me. Part of that contains your hips. Are they tight or loose? Your ankles are they tight or loose? Uh, your change of direction is going to be deter- dictated in some ways by your flexibility and then your leaping ability. Athletically, and that comes from both a vertical getting off the ground standpoint, but also a timing. How quickly can you get off the ground? If you're someone that's got a 38-inch vertical jump, but you got to take three steps to get there, you, just like we talked about at receiver last week, it's it, it can it can limit your ability to be effective on the football field. You're gonna people are gonna love you at the combine, but it's got to be practical in how you play on Saturdays. Then there's technique. 
number one, big picture, efficiency of technique. I want a cornerback that's really clean as a football player. I want a guy that that minimizes foot, minimizes body movements when he's in coverage. I don't want a guy that's got a lot of false steps. I want a guy that can play quickly, play clean, get where he needs to get to in as few steps and movements as possible. That's important for me. You're going to see that in their transition, change of direction. Does the guy play with base? Does he play low? Does he have good pad level, which I think is very important for corners, especially corners in the way that that Notre Dame is going to play corners, which is uh, more press coverage. In, in the way Alabama plays their coverage, you know, I, I don't think playing with great pad level is quite as important. It's always important. But if you watch Alabama, you know, they'll press, but they also play a lot of off man, but they don't pedal. They play sort of a side butt to the sideline type of thing where they open and run. Nick Saban for years has not been a believer in, in a backpedal. And he makes some very valid points for it. And obviously Nick Saban's had a lot of success, so you, you can't really argue with it. But the way that Notre Dame plays, in my opinion, pad level and and, and your and those type of things are, are important. When I look at pedal quickness and technique, obviously you want a guy that's got, got fast feet. You want a guy that also is, is someone who – stays you know you look you want to have a somewhat of a narrow base you don't want to be too wide you want to keep your feet underneath you uh back pedal and football is not like a big reaching back thing it's got to be really quick and fast uh you need to always be in position to be able to plant and open up or plant and drive really quickly and cleanly and your technique is going to be a part of that and there's one player that i like a lot who his technique when he pedals kind of slows down his transitions a little bit and we'll, we'll point that out and we'll talk about it Efficiency and drops, you know, when, when they're off, just again, being clean, uh, when you, with timing when he opens up. So knowing when to open up and run, knowing what that point is to where if I'm too late, this guy's going to run by me. If I'm too early, he's going to break off. And, and those are things, it's an instinctive thing that I look at. Cover skills, which is the ability to recover after contact. You know, look, corners face a lot of contact, right? And how quickly can you recover? That plays back to some of those athletic traits we talked about. Strength is part of that. Balance is a part of that. Flexibility is a part of that. Sticking with receivers, which means staying in phase, and, and also about your instincts. Staying in phase, you'll hear that a lot from draft people on Twitter. They talk about staying in phase. Essentially what that means is when you're playing man coverage, you sort of want to be right on the back hip of that corner or the receiver. You don't want to get too far behind him because then he's got you beat. You don't want to get necessarily even or in front of him unless the coverage calls for that because then he's going to break it off. Now, if you're playing cover four or you're in a zone coverage, then obviously they're going to be able to kind of break that off and make a comeback or an outcut. But you're okay because that's not your zone. You're playing deep quarter, and that's going to be an underneath defender is going to play that. But when you're playing man coverage or you're playing a deep third and that defender is now by you, you need to be able to stay in phase and stay right behind that. So that way you can limit the effectiveness of his routes. You can keep him in front of you. And then that allows you to allows you to play the ball. Uh, reading the quarterback, knowing when to read the quarterback, which is normally in zone. So you want to be able to try to have the quarterback and the receiver both in your line of sight, being able to read routes, instinctively being able to pick up tells. Uh, that is going to be partly from film work, but also partly like, hey, look, you know, I'm looking at his belly button and he's doing all this head nod stuff and juking, but his hips are turning this way or that way. And then I know where he's going. Okay. And so we'll get into those things, uh, jumping routes, but also not being too aggressive. You know, I want a guy that that understands angles and coverage. So essentially, how what's the angle that I need to take to beat that receiver to the football? 
Okay, so if a receiver's running in and cut, what's the angle I need to take in my zone to where I'm driving to where I'm getting in front of him? Because if you get behind him, then there comes the risk of you reaching around. You get called for a penalty. If you missed a ball, that guy's now inside of you. You want to make sure that you're also not going too far in front that he can catch it, stop, and then work around you. So that's an instinctive thing. That's also a technical thing that I look for. So, And then finally, ball skills. Does this guy get to get his hands on a lot of footballs? And that comes to in zone, and man coverage. Does he have instincts? Can he play the ball well? If the ball gets in his hands, is he a guy that has the speed to go do something with it? Those are all things that I look for when I'm breaking down cornerback film. So next, we're going to get into watching some film. We're going to start off with uh, Jaden Mickey, the Notre Dame cornerback, who uh, committed to Notre Dame this summer. It was a really interesting recruitment. He was a guy that was not on the board, or at least not a considered a top player. Notre Dame offered him, did some digging on him, watched more film, and, and really liked him. And, and what I liked about that evaluation from Notre Dame is, you know, they saw a kid that didn't necessarily, as a sophomore, have some of the elite tools that you look for. They saw upside. And, you know, so when I watch him, he's a top 250 caliber kid. There's some things I like, but, you know, I really need to see his junior film. Well, then he goes out as a junior and he just breaks out. I mean, he has a really, really strong junior season and then jumps way up, in my opinion, in the rankings. And uh, that has resulted in him, to me, that good pickup became a really good pickup with Jaden Mickey. So let's dive in and watch some Jaden Mickey film here. And uh, and we're going to look and see. This is kind of why Notre Dame is really high on this kid. So let's start off. First of all, this is going to be junior film. There really wasn't – his sophomore film was really good, don't get me wrong, and, and he didn't play many games as a junior. But I'm tell you what, this his, his, his highlights are absolutely loaded for a kid that only played four football games. A couple things about Jaden that, that, that I liked from him as a junior and why he jumped so much is his size really improved. This is a punt return, so I'm going to talk about some other things while you're seeing that. He got a little bigger. He filled out. He looked to be about an inch taller. He got a lot stronger. And cleaned up his technique, as you'd expect the guy from a sophomore to junior year to do. But he became a lot more basically productive because of those jumps. And just a really, really, really physical player. And I also think we saw a jump in quickness and athleticism. He was always a tough physical kid. But as a junior, that physicality, this is a play where he makes a play on the ball. This is really good instinct. So this is what I like about this is. He makes a play. That's not even his guy. I mean, that's not even his zone. I mean, th there's nothing about this that says that's what who Jaden Mickey should have been covering. So this is an off-man situation, potentially a cover three. I'm not quite sure because of the way that that some of the other guys are playing. I think this is a, you know, I, I think there might have been a blown coverage or something like that. But there's a guy streaking down the middle of the field, and if Jaden Mickey doesn't come off of his route, then he's he's not making a play. Now, this is also smart football. This is what you'll do in a cover three situation. So he's pedaling here, right? You see him in his pedal. And what Jaden realizes is, okay, the guy immediately over me, the number one player, which is his number one responsibility, he stops. So Jaden just keeps going, gets his eyes inside on number two, sees the number two is open, makes a great play on the ball, closes the gap on the receiver, which you need to do. Then he makes a play on the ball, which I really, really like. So that's a that's an excellent play from Jaden Mickey. You're going to see really impressive foot quickness. I like that route right there. Th this is his feet get his base gets a little wide here. 
So you, you see he just kind of turns and runs. He doesn't necessarily plant and drive, but he's still able to quickly close, which to me is impressive. So there's some still some things with his footwork that I need to see Jaden get a little bit better at. Long arms, this is a really, really impressive, impressive play right there. Just basically rides this guy completely out outside outside of the ball. Outside of the field, excuse me. Just And you saw this several times from him as a junior. The game film is even more impressive than his highlights, but just a really physical player. I love his versatility. He plays plays field and boundary in high school. I think he could is a guy that projects also to be a nickel. This is good patience right here. Very, very nice play right here. You can just see he made a lot more plays in the ball as a, as a junior, which I really liked. Gets a little bit of trouble there, so he, he bites a little bit on that route. Guy works it up. He's able to open back up and run and find the receiver while also keeping his eye on the ball. That's a really impressive play right there by Jaden Mick. He closes quickly on a quick route. He, he's always done that very well. He has very good plant and drive ability, which is why I've had some people tell me they think he can end up being a, a safety because he comes downhill really effectively and he delivers a lot of force. I like him a corner, but there's a situation where at cornerback, he's just not getting on the field. Then, then you see some physicality here. This is really good block destruction technique. Really like this. Keeps the receiver off his body. You can see that. So he, guy gets his hands on him, but Jay never lets him get a good, good push on his body. So he, can, he, he gets his hands on his body, locks the guy out, and you can see that length. And then, of course, he's got his eyes in the backfield, sees the guy, gets outside, and pursues him. Just a really, really nice perimeter run support play. Really well done there by Jaden. Eyes are inside. See another run. Sniffs it out. Boom. Lays the hit on him. Really good run defender at corner. Really good run defender. Reads it quickly. This is, again, good instincts. He's got his eyes inside. They're playing zone, so he's got his eyes inside. He's got the receiver and the quarterback in his line of sight. Sees the ball coming out. Is patient with it. See, look, this is the thing. This is what I talk about being aggressive but not too aggressive. He waits until the cornerback's cocking the ball to throw it. If he doesn't, then all of a sudden, so he's sitting there like he sees it, but he doesn't really jump it till he feels that the cornerback is committed to throwing that football. That's good patience, and then he goes and makes a big play on the ball. Very well done there. Really liked what I saw from Jaden. Again, his stance a little flat-footed in his stance. You can kind of see it. He's got to reset his feet. That When I talked earlier about efficiency, footwork efficiency, that's something that with Jaden, I want to see. I want to see him do a little better job of, and that that was an example right there. He's got some false steps at the snap, which I would want to clean up because he's flat footed. He's got to get back on. So that little hop right there, that's because he's too flat on his feet, and he's got to get back in a better position. And you see that quite a bit from him. Easily easy to fix. It's an it's a very correctable thing. Another physical player was just riding the guy out of bounds. He got look, and anyone that saw his sophomore film knew he was a pretty tough kid as a sophomore. He just wasn't very big. He was maybe 165 pounds. I mean, <laughs> look at this running back trying to come out, takes him on, wrong shoulders him. He's outside, so he doesn't lose leverage because he's the he's the perimeter run support guy. Bangs the guy. He is ready to go blow up that run if it comes to him. Now you say, well, you know, what, why are you showing this play? He doesn't near the ball. He's not supposed to be near the ball. He's playing his job, and he plays it effectively. Reads run, bam, gets outside. He's ready to go out and pursue the ball should it come outside. So uh, that's Jaden Mickey, and he is committed to Notre Dame. And, and like I said, that is a good football player. I love Jaden's versatility. I do believe he can play all three cornerback spots. I think he fits all three cornerback spots really well. 
uh, and is a guy that brings a lot of versatility to the cornerback position. I don't, I don't see him as a safety. Not that he can't play safety, but I, I just like him as a corner. I think he's a guy that could come in and provide help in the slot. That that and it's something that's certainly something that that Notre Dame needs at that position. So up next, let's talk about Benjamin Morrison. Benjamin Morrison is from Phoenix, Arizona. He goes to Brophy Prep High School. Consensus four-star recruit. I think he's even underrated as a four-star recruit. Uh, he is a player that I'm very high on. He is a player that Notre Dame has a month or two ago. Notre Dame seemed to be in a good position, and some other schools took it. You know, seemed to be in better sp space. Michigan felt really good about where they stood with a while. Notre Dame uh, for a while. Notre Dame stayed on him, and when Notre Dame turned the heat up, that really helped them out. Now Alabama offered last month, and I still feel good about where Notre Dame is in this recruitment. And so we'll, we'll dive into that here after we get talking about uh, Benjamin Morrison's film. But look, <clears throat> I think there are other players who are better high school players than Benjamin Morrison today because there are things about his game that I feel he needs to continue to improve upon. And, and so maybe some guys might rank today, but from an upside standpoint, to me as a pure cover guy at a pure corner, he's the, he's the number one uncommitted player on my board as just a pure corner, and you're going to see the things I like. What's the first thing that you see when you watch this film? The first thing I see is I see a really good-sized cornerback, okay? I see a kid that's got good height. I see a guy that's got a good frame. He's going to get bigger. He's going to be easy 190 when he's all said and done, and he's a kid that has long arms, and you can even see it uh, from here. Not super, super long arms, but good arm length for a six-foot player. That's the first thing to me that stood out when I watched Benjamin Morrison. The other thing that stands out to me when I watch Benjamin Morrison is he's a guy that has a lot of technical work that needs to be done, which means there's a lot more room for improvement than him. He's just kind of out there playing ball. You can see him here, really flat-footed, not really a good stance, whereas Jaden Mickey's in a great stance. He just needs to get a little bit more on the balls of his feet as opposed to being flat-footed like that. But, but Benjamin is... He needs a lot more technique work, in my opinion, but he's still really instinctive. Watch him sniff out this play, beats the guy to the ball. I mean, that's a really impressive play right there on the screen. You don't see guys making that kind of play. On this kick return, you can see his speed opening up a little bit. I think he's got very good long speed. I do, and I think as his technique cleans up, I think you're going to see his short area speed improve even more, and you're going to see his quickness improve even more, but I really like his long speed. Just overall, athletically, I think he's got very quick feet. He's got impressive suddenness, especially when he's up and running. At times at the snap, he can be, look a little slow just because of his technique, but really good plant and drive there, getting outside. You can kind of see that even, again, his his footwork is is footwork from a technique standpoint. It needs, it needs work, but the quickness of it is really impressive. You can see that burst off the line right there. That's a really impressive play. He's on the edge on the kit block team. You see him just flying off the edge. Really, really nice burst. Plays a lot of off man in high school. And he's got a lot of room for work, obviously. But I think he's a guy that with work with with coaching can be a really good press guy. I think I think Benjamin too can be a boundary player. I think he can be a nickel guy. I think there's some traits allow him to the field. I, I really like his versatility, too. I think he can, like Mickey, he can play all three spots. I think he's more of an outside guy for me, but I think his toughness and run, his ability to play the run 
could lead to him being an effective inside player, even against running teams. Really sniffs it. Watch him sniff out this screen. Keeps it in front of him. Sees the back. He's reading this place as a smart football player. You know, I mean, there's a lot of corners that are going to keep running with that receiver, but he sees it, quickly plants, quickly re- – look how quickly he changes direction and gets downhill. That's really – I mean, it's great instincts, good change of direction, and the closing speed, and then a tackle. Goes low, drives through the the knee of the upper knee to the thigh of the, of the defender or the ball carrier and makes the play. There's that, that long speed you see from him, which is really impressive. He's a very good tackler, which is something I like too and could help him get on early. He's another guy that, like Mickey, is really good at block destruction as well, although Jaden's got better technique than Benjamin does. But Je- Benjamin, I think, has more physical tools. Here's another block kick. And I like plays like this just because you can see the athleticism. You can see the burst. He's very long. You see the length there. Very, very impressive play. Another run stop. They don't throw a ton in that league, it doesn't seem. Here he is on offense, making some catches. Okay, this is good instincts, passes it off. His guy that he's to cover and goes inside. He sees number, he sees the back out of the backfield wheeling out. He quickly recognizes it and gets on him. Again, that's a high IQ football player. You see, he never really turns his hips completely to commit, which allows him to easily open up and run and then stays on top of the running back. Very well done. And he's a smart football player. It's really easy to see. And look, he's the kind of corner that Bama likes. Bama likes bigger corners. They like longer corners. They like guys that are physical, guys that can play the run. And that's what I think Marcus Freeman is looking for as well. He wants long, physical corners that can run. And Benjamin Morrison is a long, physical corner that can run. Alabama doesn't come out to Phoenix, Arizona to recruit just anybody. And again, they offered him recently, which tells me that that they're, they they like him. He can play. Just watch his feet again. Technique is not there, but his feet are – he's got really good agility and suddenness. His change of direction is impressive. You can see it there on offense, and then he gets the step, and it's – see you later. Oh, he got caught from behind. All right, so that's Benjamin Morrison. Again, another player who had a shortened junior season because of COVID, so there's not a ton of film of him from his junior year. Uh, but I really had an impressive season. And again, a guy who I I just really like his tools. He's far from a finished product, but he's a guy that to me, with a good coach, is going to be an outstanding football player. And fortunately for Notre Dame, they have a very, very good cornerbacks coach in Mike Mickens. And and if you look at Mike Mickens' success at Bowling Green with Nick Johnson, with Ahmad Gardner at Cincinnati, with Nick McLeod last year at Notre Dame, he, he likes those longer corners. Benjamin doesn't necessarily have the height of some of those other guys. He's only six foot, but he's he's very long, and I like that. So let's talk a little bit about his recruitment. And I've said before that Michigan for a while there thought they were in good place. Washington, Florida State, Nebraska were schools that have been on him for a while. Uh, and then Alabama's gotten in the mix recently as well. But I like where Notre Dame is at right now. He's going to visit Notre Dame on June 11th to the 13th. I I feel like with a good visit, he's a guy that could could potentially end up in the class. I'm not I'm not trying to guarantee it. I'm not trying to give away any trade secrets. I'm just telling you that there's a reason this visit got set up so early. There there's a there's a relationship where with Mike Mickens. There's a relationship there with Marcus Freeman. He's a high academic kid. I've heard people say that they're concerned about Michigan because he has his sister that goes there. 
He also had a sister that went to Washington, maybe still does go to Washington. He's the youngest of several children, and none of them have gone to the same college from, from everything that I have heard from, from people that I've talked to, and I've heard I've seen it reported by others as well. So I don't think the sibling thing is going to matter to him. He's going to find the best school for him, just like his other siblings did. And right now, I think the combination of academics – the relationship with Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens, especially, and the fact that Notre Dame has been able to sell him on the fit of, of how he fits in their defense. And, and you're going to see from the corners we're going to talk to, the first couple cornerbacks we're going to talk about, Notre Dame likes that length. And I think Benjamin Morrison sees a really good fit, a scheme fit, as well as all the other things that we're looking at in this defense. And that's why he's a top target for Notre Dame. That's why he's very high on my board, and that's also why he's very high on Notre Dame. All right, next let's talk about Devin Moore from Naples, Florida. As I said before, he is the Xavion Bradshaw of the defense in that he is a criminally underrated player. If you watch this film and you still think he's a three-star, let me know because I'd be very curious to see why you think that. Because when I watch this kid, not only do I see a, a guy that's not a three-star, I graded Devin Moore out as a top 150 caliber player. And if his technique graded out a little better, he he would have been he would have been sniffing that top 100. I mean, he is a very good football player. And the other thing about Devin Moore that we're going to get into is he's just scratching the surface, in my opinion, of how good of a football player he can be. He's six foot two, he's 180 pounds, he's from Naples, Florida, very high academic kid. And that's one of the things he really likes about Notre Dame is that that's the one big-time school that's on him that obviously has something a little bit different to offer him than a lot of these other schools. Uh, so so that's what it, we'll get into his recruitment at the end, but let's talk about his film right now. So first thing you're going to notice, as I said before, is extremely impressive length. He is a very, very long cornerback and a guy that is legitimate 6'2", very long strider, which is obviously something that, that we'll talk about. He's a guy that, to me, I think he could be a very good boundary corner, but I also think he could be an, maybe even even a better safety. I, I think he brings a lot of versatility to the table when it comes to Notre Dame. And you're going to see something on film. There's not a player on this board. There's not film we're going to watch of a corner that gets his hands on more footballs than Devin Moore. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is, well, in that case, it was because the quarterback just made a terribly stupid throw. But in those other instances, the things that he brings to the table, first and foremost, is great length. And with Devin Moore, you're going to see what I'm talking about with that the radius, right, where corner quarterbacks think they have a place to throw the ball, and then he's going to be able to just use his length to make a play where other cornerbacks, you're getting that ball over top of them or getting it around them. With Devin Moore, you're not doing that. He's just so long and disruptive. The other thing that you're going to see is this is a really smart, instinctive football player. You just saw from the last couple plays where he's coming off and making plays in the zone. You're seeing a guy that knows how to read routes. This is a really impressive play right here. So this guy's trying to beat him. This is this is a corner route. But he's trying to beat him inside to get him thinking, I'm, I'm doing an in cut. I'm trying to explode inside of you. And Devin's able to quickly, smoothly open his hips and run with him. There's a game field, a game version of that play from the end zone where you really see how how clean that transition is. But this is a really efficient turn. He's working inside and just quickly flips his hip. When I talk about flexibility, 
that's something I see. Now, there are times when he's opening and running in coverage where his transitions get a little bit slower. When I see a play like that, it should make you say, hmm, well, why is he so smooth there? But at other times, he's not as smooth. There's another getting his hands on a ball, another play. And that's where you got to start looking for, for footwork. Is it is it a footwork thing? Is it a technique thing? And with Devin, what you're going to see is he tends to get a little bit flat-footed at times. And when he's, when he's flat-footed and he's not able to really open up and, and run, he kind of gets a wide base. It slows down his transitions, and that's when he can get beat. This is a really nice play right here. Staying in good phase, gets a little bit too high on the guy, but then reacts real quickly, and he uses his length to be to be effective on this play. Physical corner, despite being on the thin side, he has a tendency to get a little bit too high on top of guys, and that's something that they're going to have to work on. But again, that's an easy coaching thing. Very physical corner. You can see how long his arms are right there. That's an example of a snap where you can really see that length really shine. Good job staying outside. Now, some people say, well, you know, what, what, why, is, why isn't he trying to beat that guy? He is the he is the support player. His job, first and foremost, is to make sure that back does not get outside. And if he tries to go around that corner back inside or, or maybe try to fight with him too much, square up, then that guy gets outside if it's a good block. Does a nice job of using his length to keep that receiver off of his body, and that's a big receiver. But Devin fights with him, keeps his hands off, stays outside, and goes out and makes a tackle. That's really impressive. Really impressive play. Good instincts there. Re recovers well from that bang. This is what I talk about, being able to recover after contact. Guy kind of knocks him off balance for half a step, and then he's right back to running full speed. It's a really impressive, impressive play there by Devin Moore. Very physical football player. And again, he's a guy that's still skinny. As he fills out and gets in the weight room, he's going to be really, really effective. And that's just staying right. I mean, that's just great route recognition. He sees, so like one of the things I look for when I talk about speed is can you control your speed? This is an example of what I'm talking about. It's very clear that this receiver is telegraph, telegraphing that route. He's got all that quick, foot quick, you know, he's doing all that pre-snaps or post-snap stuff, trying to lean him inside. Devin is, this guy's trying to get Devin to bite outside. Devin doesn't go for it, right? That's what all that chopping is doing. He's trying to get Devin to bite outside. Devin stays on it, right? Gets back inside. Then the guy's choppy. Devin sees that there's a second move coming. He stays patient, plays under control, and just eats it up. That's really well done right there. Patience, intelligence, and then, of course, having the skill to be able to make that play. Really well done. There's another play. You can see him. He's a little flat-footed. He's low on his heels, and that slows his transition down. He's kind of got a hop to turn as opposed to just being able to open and running. That's a technique thing, but he recovers very well, stays in phase, and, has, and he's all over the guy. And that's an area where his length can help him recover when he is late on his transitions. He's playing in the slot here. Really clean hips. Just, I mean, this is a big, this is a good size receiver, and he just he just eats them up all over him. Really well done. He's a very disruptive football player. That's a that's a pretty clean transition there. Really nice pedal, really nice turn. And just look, like I said, he's just all – he sees it. The guy's not running. The guy's not really pushing him vertically. Devin's all over that route, just jumps it, and, and takes it away. This is a really, really smart, heady play right here. 
Like I said, I think he can play corner. There's no, there's no doubt he can play corner, but I really like the fact that he can play safety at a high level as well. Perhaps, perhaps even be even better as a safety. I mean, you, you talk about Devin Moore playing the center of the field with that kind of range and that kind of instincts. Goodness gracious, he's going to have seven, eight interceptions playing playing cover one in the Notre Dame defense or any other team that wants to play cover one and play single high stuff. And but he can also come down and play the alleys. I mean, you just see this whole film. He's just eating up guys up, just physically, just all over guys. Here's another play. This receiver's trying to get him to, to go outside with all that that seven-on-seven seven stuff that I always say, this stuff does not work in games, especially against good corners. doesn't bite. He's, that guy chops your his feet, you chop your feet. This is really good patience right here by Devin. Stays on it. Little tight with his transition there. You can see it. You see how his base gets a little wide? This is what this is what slows, slows down that transition. The guy's chopping. He's showing good patience, but watch. He gets a wide base, so he can't really plant and turn, open and run. He gets wide, so it looks like he's a little tight in that transition, but we've seen other clips where those transition was really smooth, and it's when he plays with a better base. But this is where his speed helps him recover. He gets a, he, he gets a little grabby here. I don't want to see him do that, but he does a nice job getting back in phase with the guy and, and makes a play on it. Another play in the run game. And then here in a second, I'm going to go back to the first play on this clip because he's playing receiver. See, that's a pretty nice transition there. And you can see here he gets, a again, He he's his initial move is good. He keeps a nice base. He opens quickly. And then that last move, he just he just gets a little wide with that base, which that's something that, that you know, I'm, I'm critiquing it here, but that's something you see with a lot of six-foot-two players. Because when you're six-two, you're naturally going to have a wider base, and it's harder for you to keep your feet up underneath you because you're such a, a long athlete. But it is something, too, that with good coaching can get corrected, I mean, in a summer. And, again, he's just a junior, so he's, he's going to continue to get better in that regard. And you can see, again, that's just sloppy footwork. But you, you can see he can still open and run and use his length to make a play on the ball. Play on the route, not play on the ball. So that's Devin Moore. This is a guy that I, that I really, really like. Here you see some long speed. We're going to show. You can see his long speed. There's only one clip of him playing offense. And here it's the, oh, give me a break. You're going to give me this commercial. I hate these commercials. All right, let's see this play again. All right, this is the first play on his highlight of him. You, there, look at that length. When you start getting your hands down below, below your knees when you're in your stance, you've got really good length. You see the long speed here. You can really turn it on there. And that's something you don't necessarily get to see a lot from him in, in coverage because he's always all over guys so much. You don't really see him open him up, opening up and just running. But there you see it. So that's Devin Moore. So let's talk a little bit about Devin Moore's recruitment at this point in time. So right now, he's another guy that I think Notre Dame is in a really, really good position with. But he's also another player that Alabama and Florida are two schools that are also making a hard push. Right now, he has visits scheduled to Notre Dame on June 11th and 13th. That's a big, big visit for Notre Dame. Now, I have seen it reported that he's going to visit Cincinnati the next weekend. But what he told us is that he's going to actually visit Stanford the next weekend and then Cincinnati the final weekend in June and then he may take may take visits in the fall to Florida and Alabama and obviously Alabama and Florida are pushing hard for him not to commit this summer will he commit this summer I, I think it depends I, I could see I could see a couple scenarios in, in his recruitment number one is 
Notre Dame blows him away and he decides to, okay, this is where I want to be. And he ends it. The other scenario is, is that he could say, hey, look, I, I like it here, but I want to take more visits in the fall. It's going to get interesting if he tells Notre Dame that after his visit. He can tell him that now all he wants. It doesn't matter. You got to get him on campus and then try to seal the deal. If he tells him that, then now Notre Dame's in some tough situations because do you trust that you can get the you can still beat the old schools in the fall? Or do you say, well, we're gonna have to go to one of our next guys that we're gonna talk about because we can't we can't take a chance of missing on him. And, and so that's where this his recruitment could get interesting. And I know he's mentioned carrying it in the fall, but I believe there's a scenario in which he could really fall in love with Notre Dame this summer and realize, okay, this is where I want to be. Here's the other thing. And this is where I think Notre Dame is doing a phenomenal job recruiting cornerbacks. It's not just that there's a lot of guys on the board. But if you go down this list of players, every single one of these guys is someone that somebody in the media that's covering recruiting, and this isn't a shot, this is actually a compliment. Somebody in the media is going to write how Notre Dame is all over this kid and Notre Dame loves this kid. And they say that about all of them because Mike Mickens and Marcus Freeman are doing a phenomenal job of recruiting the whole board and basically saying to them, to the players, Nakai Martinez, Jaden Bellamy, Jair Brown, all those guys feel just as much love from Notre Dame as Devin Moore and Jaden Mickey did and Benjamin Morrison did. And so to them, they're all A guys. They're all priority guys. And then Notre Dame can then say, okay, well, look, if this kid doesn't want to commit and we like this kid maybe enough to take him, then you can take him. But if you miss a kid, you don't have to say, well, hey, look, we liked him more, but now we like you. Because they're making all these guys feel the love. And I, I wish some coaches on offense, especially receiver, would, would get that message and recruit your whole board. And then when you figure out who you want, you can make a push for them. Uh, but that's that's not happening as much on offense. But Devin Moore's a guy who – you know, right now, I look, like I said, Notre Dame, Stanford, Cincinnati, I don't think two of those three schools are, are going to – I'm not concerned about those two, those two other two schools. If he makes a decision based off those visits, he's going to go to Notre Dame. I'm more concerned about Alabama and Florida being able to convince him to wait until the fall. That's when I would get a little bit more concerned. If he comes out of June not committed, even if it's not publicly committed, even if he's a silent commitment, that's one where I would not feel great about it because of who's involved. He's a Florida kid looking at Florida. I mean, a lot of pressure to stay down there. Always is. And then there's the Alabama angle. And so Alabama is pushing for Morrison and more, by the way, which should tell you a little something about their recruiting ranking. Uh, I like them a whole lot more than that. I think they're both top 150 guys, if not top 100 caliber guys. And Notre Dame and Alabama also feel uh, feel the same way at this point in time. All right, so next, I'm going to talk about Nakai Martinez from Apopka, Florida. Now, keep in mind, this is one of the best of high school programs in the Central Florida area, and he is one of their better players. He's a four-star player, the number 202 player in the country, according to Rivals. Look, I think you could make a case that Nakai Martinez is one of, if not the best, high school player on this list. I think he's a very advanced player. He's very tough and strong. He's a good athlete. My issue with Nakai, and we'll get into this, is when I watch him play, I wonder how much room there is for growth. I wonder about his ceiling because the first thing you're going to notice with him, short and built very low to the ground. He's not built like the other cornerbacks we've looked at. What you're also going to notice on film with Nakai is that he makes a lot of plays. He's a very tough kid. He's a very instinctive kid. 
very technically sound young man and makes a lot of plays in the football. That's a really impressive play right there. Good foot quickness, good good agility, very good balance. He's got a very strong lower body, very strong kid. He's got good track times, but I don't I don't see a guy that really flies at the next level. My thing with Nakai is I don't know if Nakai is an outside corner just because of his size and the fact that he doesn't have like elite speed to make up for it. But what I do see, in in my opinion, is I see a guy that that could be a really good slot corner because of that physicality, that toughness, the instincts. He can play the run. Really, really impressive agility and and quick foot quickness. Those are all things that can can fit really well in that slot position. And as you can see, if anyone's going to cha- challenge Devin Moore for most impact plays on the ball, it's going to be Nakai. That right there, that's an example of that foot quickness and suddenness that I was talking about. I want you to watch how quickly he's playing off man, keeps the receiver and and the cornerback. Now, even he drops that back foot a little bit more than I like, gets it a little bit too far out from his body, but he's able to quickly and recover and just explode out of that break and get downhill quickly and drive on the route. Plays at a good angle, too. He takes a good inside angle. You don't want to take an outside angle. You want to drive right through that inside shoulder, and he does exactly what he's taught to do. Shoots his hands, gets his hand on the football, doesn't get grabby. Really good football play right there. And you see in his pedal, he gets a little bit too much of a backwards lean here. He's on, he's on, he's does a nice job of kind of staying on the on the, the balls of his feet, but he's got a little bit too much of a backward lean, which can lose, can at times causes him to have to do that thing where I talked about earlier. He's got to kind of under overplant his back foot. And that's something I think he can work on. Again, another another relatively minor thing. You want corners to be kind of toes over knee, knees over toes, chest over knees kind of thing, you know. You don't want them getting too much of that backward lean. Really nice job. He does a really good job of, of going on the underneath routes. If you go too high, you, you make a play on the ball or you make a play on the receiver, but he's going to still catch the ball. Really good route awareness you can see here. But he's got to he's got to learn to see that guy get in depth and get depth. This is this works out well for him at the high school level, but he's going to have to commit to that a little bit sooner and make a play on that ball in, in a college game. This is why I say sometimes in high school, kids put on highlights that they don't realize is not a highlight. This would be an example. This is a play where he's he's he sees that guy going in and he's got to understand that's not my guy anymore. I got to see that wheel route. He sees it, but he doesn't commit to it. He's able to recover in high school, but if that's, you know, look, if you're playing Bama, if you're playing Clemson, if you're playing North Carolina and you do that right there, that ball is over top and it's a touchdown. Let's see a couple more of Nakai. He's got pretty good length for his size. Not great, though. Not the kind that completely overcomes what he is. But you see him here. He's going against a, he's going against a very tall receiver. He's physical, foot quickness, stays with the guy. Knocks off his route, stays over top. Really fundamentally sound, really good high school football player. I just little bit of a tight transition there, and, and I just and that's kind of what I think he is. I, I just I don't think he's a really fluid athlete. I think he's got some suddenness, some some really good agility, but I think he's a little tight, and I just don't know how much better he's going to get. Really nice physical play. That's a big receiver he's going against. This guy's at least six feet tall. Physical with him, gets his arms out. Nice flip of his hips right there. Once the guy kind of gets outside, 
flips his eyes, I should say. Bam, gets around, stays on him, finds the ball. Really instinctive play there. Like I said, this kid's a really good football player. I just don't know. I just don't think he has the same ceiling that other players in this class have as an all-around player. I think he's kind of, you know, he's kind of penciled in as sort of more of a nickel guy, in my opinion. And I don't, you know, like a Sean Crawford. Like, remember how Sean Crawford was early in his career at Notre Dame? That's how I see Nakai Martinez. He's just not as fast and explosive as Sean was, but very similar player. And there's, there's, I mean, there's a there's a role for that. And if they get Nakai, that'd be a good pickup. But it's just to me right now, I, you know, as I said before, I care more about the ceiling than I do the floor. And in this class, I, I especially want to see more more high ceiling guys at the, especially the cornerback position. Really nice play. I gotta keep going inside. Come on, Nakai. I want to see a couple more plays. Let me see a kick return. All right. He wants to get some kick. Oh, there we go. Onside kick. See some long speed. See that burst right there? I mean, you know, that's showing you a little something athletically. Right there. Nice quickness. But, again, I don't see that great second gear that some of the other guys have and that you're going to need from a guy that size. Last play here, and then we're going to move on to the next to the next couple guys. That's good long speed there. But again, I don't see that 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 remember when Troy Pride caught Dexter Williams from in the spring game from behind where he just kind of he was running fast and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, I got to really turn it on." He turned it on. I don't see Nakai having the ability to just kind of turn on that second that that second really big gear to to explode downhill. See how he gets a little bit tight there? It's a li- he's got a little bit of just a little bit of hanging in there on that back foot. Part of that's because he's leaning back a little bit too much, and he's got a he's got to overplant. That's what I was talking about, and it just kind of it's caused him to be a little bit slow out of that. But he recovers well and makes a tackle in space. So that is Nakai Martinez. Now, his situation is interesting because when it comes to Nakai and Notre Dame, I actually think Notre Dame is in a great place to get him if they choose to push for him. He's going to be on campus at Notre Dame on June eighteenth to twentieth. That means he's going to be coming in the week after Devin Moore and Benjamin Morrison, and I don't think that's an accident. So you look at he's going to be at UCF, which is right down the street from where he lives in Apopka, and then he's going to be in South Carolina June 25th to 27th. He likes Notre Dame a lot, and Notre Dame likes Nakai. I just think there's other players they like a little bit better, and the fact that he comes after those guys, to me, gives Notre Dame and the next player we're going to talk about too is coming after Benjamin Moore and Devin Moore Benjamin Morrison and Devin Morrison and I don't think that is that is that is not unintentional and the reason I say that is is because now if you're Notre Dame you're going to be able to get a really good feel for where you stand with Benjamin Morrison and Devin Moore whether you think they're going to get them whether you think their recruitment's a long way from being over uh, whether you know you can get a commitment from those players and then, depending on what happens there, you know what to do with those other players, which means one of two things, right? And, and this is good for Notre Dame. If you get commitments, then you can say to Nakai Martinez and Jaden Bellamy, hey, listen, we, we got, we got, we're full now. So now they can save that visit. They, they don't come to Notre Dame the next weekend. So those kids haven't used a visit on a school that's not going to take them. Whereas if they visited before Moore and Morrison, and then they say, hey, hold off. And then Benjamin Morrison and Devin Moore come the next weekend. Notre Dame takes their commitment. And all of a sudden, these kids use a, an official visit on the school that's not going to take them. And that happens sometimes, but I really like how Notre Dame has scheduled it to where they're not only looking out for themselves, but it's going to benefit those kids should Notre Dame land those two players. 
If Notre Dame misses on those two players, then now they can love up Nakai Martinez and Jaden Bellamy, which they've been doing, and really try to push for one of them to join the class. Now, who they would take is the interesting one. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk more about that here after the after the June 11th to 13th visits. We'll talk more about that in this because, like I said, it's going to depend on how things go with those other players. So let's get to Jaden Bellamy. Jaden Bellamy is from uh, Bergen Catholic in New Jersey. Consensus three-star recruit. I think he's a three-and-a-half-star recruit, which is, you know, those three-star rankings are about accurate. But I think he's got a, a higher ceiling than 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 his current three-star ranking. He's got some tools to work with. I just think he's a very underdeveloped player. He hasn't been at Bergen Catholic very long. I think just one season, I believe. Uh, so there's a lot to work with. One thing I like about Jaden Bellamy is you're going to see some safety film of him. I actually like him more as a safety than I do as a corner. Uh, but uh, he does have some traits that you could look for in a boundary corner. The first being size. He's, he's long and tall. We're just going to put the film on now. You're going to see what I'm talking about. This first play just shows his speed. You're going to see really good speed here. He's got to fill out his frame, but he's got good length. I like how tall he is. I like how uh, he's, a, he's a pretty physical kid. So, again, I think he's got some boundary skills to his game. Uh, and he's a kid that I honestly think is a better safety than he is a corner. It's, it's a nice long speed there. I think when I watch Jaden, I just see a guy that, that just to me looks more comfortable playing coming downhill than he does playing corner. Nice uh, light on his feet, undercuts that route, really good route. Now that's him not reading the ball, right? Watch this. He's reading the route. This is really, in, this is good instinct. So he's going to transition his eyes from the route to the ball. Okay, so as you see him here, he's reading that receiver. You can see his eyes. He's completely on the receiver. He's staying light on his feet, right? So he doesn't plant. He doesn't wait. He's staying light on his toes. Let's talk about being on the balls of your feet. That's what Jaden is doing right here. This is really well done. See good arm length. Plants downhill. Now, once he sees that receiver run his route and that receiver shoot for the ball, you can see then immediately he gets his eyes inside and finds the ball. So he's on the route. On the route, bam, he gets his eyes inside, makes the play. That's a really, really good play. Good instinctive play. I like that. He's going to be at safe. I believe he's at safety again on this play. Yep. Gets downhill, delivers a, a hit. Is a little late reacting on that one. Safety again. Nice pedal. Gets downhill, drives on the route effectively. Little late reacting to the outcut, but you can see him drive downhill relatively quickly. Decent pedal. That's what I talk about, like really short strides, really nice, nice, clean, loose hips, and then he can open up and run, stays on top. Now, he's supposed to be on top because he's a safety. He's got underneath help as a safety. That's a little bit different, but this is a really nice football play by Jaden Bell. I mean, as you can see, this is – I think the kid can play safety. I really do. I like him better as a safety than I do as a corner, if I'm being honest with you about it. This is a really good football play. He's listed as 6'1". Either he plays in like the tallest secondary in the country, he maybe isn't quite 6'1". This is a nice play here. You can see it. He's got his eyes on the quarterback. He feels that route outside and does a nice job of closing that route off. You can see the cornerback's looking to bang that in cut. Pass rush helps, but he's sitting right in that window, and he takes the play away. So the quarterback has nowhere to go with the ball. Really well done there. That's what I call about you know taking playing with good angles, knowing how to cut a route off. And Jaden does that really effectively. Really light on his feet. 
you know, his, his, his hips are a little, aren't, aren't quite as tight as some other guys, but the thing I like about it is he's really nimble on his feet. He's got really fluid, clean feet. Really, he's got more flexibility in his ankles than he does in his hips. I'll say that. And that's why I think he could be an effective safety. Really downhill close. This, this is what I call short area speed, right? He doesn't need a lot of steps, but once he commits to going, he explodes to the football. This is really nice and delivers some punch. He, watch the running back's head. I mean, he shocks back. It's a really nice football play right there by Jaden Bellamy. And that's, again, these are, all these clips keep telling me this is why I like the kid at safety. But Notre Dame right now is recruiting him as a corner. But he's a guy that, to me, it, it, maybe you still take him even if you don't like him at corner. And there's the long speed. Because I, I truly think he could be a safety. If you don't think you're getting Xavier Nwankpa, Nwankpa or, or, or um, Sherrod Colville or Jake Pope, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem taking this kid. He he reminds me of DJ Brown's speed. I think that's a good a good comparison for me. Is he's he's a DJ Brown type of body, but with speed, and that's what I like about. I mean, I, I still don't know if we've seen a, a play of him at corner, but like I said, Notre Dame is recruiting him there. But it's a nice ball, good ball skills on offense. Really nice job. I'm showing these clips because I mean, you know who the quarterback is, right? That's Steve Angeli, in case you're wondering. Nice ball right there. A little late, but good good throw. Nice job sitting down in the zone by the receiver. Also, nice job by the quarterback to sit him in the zone. So that is Jaden Bellamy. That is, like I said, an intriguing player because I don't see cornerback. I don't. I don't see a cornerback in him. But I see a nice safety. And when we talk about the safety board, I'm actually going to show some of that film again. Not a ton, but we're going to talk about him a little bit in that one too because, I mean, you guys tell me. If, if you see corner, let me know. If you see like – because, again, what I mean by you see corner, I don't mean do you see him playing corner. What I mean is do you see the traits that lead to being a corner, which we talked about before. You know, foot quickness, suddenness, loose hips, loose ankles, instincts, playing routes, those type of things. You don't have to necessarily be a corner – to, to have the skills to play corner. I don't see the necessarily the skills to play corner. I see a guy that that's a really good safety. Last play on this board, we're just going to watch a little bit of film of him, is Jair Brown. So Jair Brown's an interesting situation. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Let's wrap up Jaden Bellamy's recruitment. So right now he has three visits set up. He has Penn State on June 11th to 13th. Then he comes to Notre Dame the next weekend, the 18th to the 20th. And then he's got Ohio State, June 25th to 27th. He also has offers from Clemson and Oklahoma. I think Rutgers is making a push. Rutgers is having a really nice recruiting class right now. They just got an offensive lineman from New Jersey that I, I wish Notre Dame would have recruited more, uh, Jacob Allen. And, of course, they got Gavin Wims at a quarterback. So they're, they're putting together a nice class. But you know, Jaden Bellamy, to me, is a guy that um, you look at his offer list and you say there's some, some really good schools going after him because I, they see what I see, which is, He's pretty fast, and he's got some athleticism. I just don't think he's a natural corner. And I would like him even more as a prospect at Notre Dame if he if they were recruiting him as a pure safety. So that'll be interesting to see. If they get commitments from Moore and Morrison, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just speaking hypothetically. Do they still bring in Bellamy up on campus the next week and tell him, hey, look, we still want to get you on campus, but we want to shift you to safety. 
I'm curious how they're going to handle that one should that happen. And I kind of hope it happens because, you know, I think those other two guys are really good. And then we'll get a chance to see how they're going to recruit Jaden Bellamy. So that that is uh, that is his recruitment. I, I could see him pushing things into the fall because I, I think based on some things I've, I've been told and some other things that I've read about him and other schools, I don't know if some of the schools he likes the most. Penn State, I think, probably would take him. I don't think he's necessarily a take right now for Notre Dame and Ohio State. He's a take, but I don't think he'd be able to commit before a couple other guys committed, if that makes sense. So that's an interesting situation. And 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 so then I could see him maybe, unless he just says, hey, Penn State's the the, the move for me, it, which is another interesting thing, is, is Penn State's going to put, I would imagine, if they really like him like I think that they do, they could put some pressure on him to say, hey, look, we need you now. And, and that could get make things very interesting. So we're going to wrap up uh, with well, – and I'll get to your questions and comments after after this, but let's talk a little bit about Jair Brown. Jair Brown is a six-foot, 185-pound cornerback from West Chester, Ohio, Lakota West. He's originally from Louisiana, and he is committed to Ohio State. Notre Dame has continued to talk to him. He has shown interest in Notre Dame, but he is a guy that I don't know – I don't see him flipping – and I don't know if Notre Dame right now is necessarily pushing hard to flip him. I think they're kind of letting the board play out in some areas. And then if you, it, depending on how things go, you can maybe make a move for him. He's the highest ranked player on this board by far. Rivals ranks him as the number 121 player in the country. 247 sports him has, has him at number 132. ESPN has him at number 139. And I I think that if Nakai Martinez isn't the best high school player on the board, then, then Jair Brown is. My issue with Jair Brown is I question the athleticism and the speed when it comes to projecting to the next level. And as you're going to see on film, and you can especially see it at seven-on-seven camp film, which I'm not going to show because I don't show camp film because I care more about what guys do with actual pads on. Uh, He's a real physical, smart, um, technically sound cornerback that I don't know if he has the, the speed to really be that type of highly ranked guy at the next level but you all tell me if you're wrong if, if you think i'm wrong and we're going to dive into some of his film i'm not going to watch a lot of it there's not a ton of his film available but we're going to watch a little bit of junior film this is just from one game i'm going to watch parts of two different games here so let's dive into that um this is jair brown you can see good size good build comes downhill good hitter like i said very physical player very tough very strong he wreaks havoc on guys at seven on seven because he just gets up in their chest and just they can't get off of them. See right there, that's ex- that right there is an example of what I'm talking about. This isn't necessarily a big time player, but but watch his foot sp- speed or foot quickness or in my opinion lack thereof. Like that's not bad technique. That's just real heavy feet for a corner, and that guy's got him beat. Now you you tell me something if that's a if that's a um if that's a top receiver. If that's Tobias Merriweather, he's not recovering like that. If that's Tobias Merriweather with a top quarterback, he's not recovering like that. And you see quite a bit of that. Tough, strong, smart kid, playing zone, really nice intelligence there, getting up underneath that route in that zone coverage. Thanks for being with us, old Grim. I see you're heading out. Appreciate you uh, you uh, being part of the show. See, I just I don't see a guy that's got great feet. I don't see great speed. Like nothing about this play right here tells me top athlete. It tells me a really good football player, though. 
And that's the thing I like about Jerry. He's a good football player. He just he's just not a real big guy. So let's uh get to the next game. Show a couple clips here. And then we'll be good to go. We'll get to start getting to some questions and wrap up here. They play a lot of zone in high school, if you haven't noticed that. Good, tough kid, but I just don't see the top-notch athleticism that that leads me to believe that this is a top 150 caliber football player. I mean, y'all are y'all are watching this. You tell me in the chat. Do you see a guy that has more athleticism and talent than Benjamin Morrison or Devin Moore or you, you know the the guys that we've talked about or Jaden Mickey? I don't. But I think this is a really smart kid. And this is a kid that I've talked about before. I think of all the corners, Jair might be able to help you the most as a freshman because he is so strong. He is so fundamentally sound, and he is so he is a really smart player. I just don't see a guy that has that top level of athleticism. And from a recruiting standpoint with Jair, I just don't see a kid to me that Notre Dame's going to be able to flip or a kid that Notre Dame is, is ultimately going to want to flip at, when it's all said and done. I think they're doing a nice job of keeping them on the board and and seeing how things play out and then taking it from there. So that's it. So that's the that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna talk about. Um, I'm gonna dive into questions now. So if you have any more questions about the board, about recruiting at the board, let's try to stick to corner for the most part. But if you have some other questions and you can't make one of the later shows this week, fire away. You know we're here, so we're talking ball. So feel free to throw it in there. But um, I'm gonna try to stick to some of these DB questions first. Michael McKinley uh, asked this question. We addressed a little bit earlier. He said he's being recruited by Bama. How bad do they want him? Look, Bama doesn't fill up early. Bama kind of gets their board together and then starts pushing for guys they like. They're on him. They've offered him, and they're trying to convince him to visit. So he's a guy they like. Would Bama take him tomorrow? I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that Bama's interest in him is beyond just throwing out an offer because Bama offers a lot of dudes. But he's being recruited by Bama, not just a guy that has been offered by Bama so they can kind of get into the conversation. Co Crow asks, does Notre Dame only take two corners in 2022 to go for a haul in 2023? Guys on the board like Sonny Styles, Caleb Downs, Cole Martin, and Terrence Love are there for the secondary to name a few. So Sonny Styles is more of a rover. Uh, Caleb Downs is more of a safety. Cole Martin and Terrence Love are there. I'd throw AJ Harris in that conversation. I think Ethan Nation needs to be in that conversation. There's some, there's some uh Kyan Lee is a guy that I would have in that conversation. There's some 2023 DBs on the board that are really, really good football players. Uh so to your to your point, Michael, I I I I get where you're coming, or Co, I get where you're coming from because there are so many good corners on the board in 2023. M- my thing that I would say is, is I I don't know if I would if I would pass on some of the guys on the board, I think for me, as good as I think AJ Harris is, and as good as I think Ethan nation is, and some of the guys that are on the board right now, some of the safeties like Jack Luttrell, Terrence love, uh, Caleb downs, there's some really good players on the board. I don't necessarily think any of those guys are, are, are so good that you say, Hey, we're going to pass on these guys who I also think are really good to take them. I think, I think Benjamin Morrison's an outstanding player. I think Devin Moore's an outstanding player. I'd still recruit them. The other part of it is I'm not passing on those guys, and I'm not saying you're saying this. I'm just I'm making a point to answer your question. I'm not passing on Benjamin Morrison, and I'm not passing on Devin Moore uh, to, to, to go to that class because you don't know that you're going to get those guys is the other part. 
Now, what I would say to, to your to your question is, if they got, let's just say hypothetically that Notre Dame got Benjamin Morrison and Devin Moore that, hey, I want to carry things out. And they say, okay, we're going to recruit him. And if we get him, great. If we don't, then we're okay at the position. If they made that decision to corner, I'd be fine. Because of, number one, you signed four guys last year, uh, but also because of, to your point, Co, you, you've got some guys on the board for next year. And then Colin kind of asked a question that we can follow up on is, do, will Notre Dame offer any more corners in 2022 if they miss on a couple of other targets? Colin, I think they'd have to completely strike out on everybody on this board for them to expand the, the offer list unless there's a highly ranked guy that expresses interest in Notre Dame that maybe they didn't think that they had. But I think right now, I think this is the cornerback board. I think with visits coming up in June, I think that they'd have to strike out completely for them to then come out of June and, and make offers to 2022 kids. And it kind of ties back into Coe's question of, I think if they get one of the corners, I don't think they're going to offer more guys unless it's a, a, a guy that could play another position as well. I think then you'd start to see them focus more on you know, that last guy in the class, like maybe if Devin Moore wants to go into the fall and then start focusing on 2023. Uh, Colin also asks, is Notre Dame recruiting any other corners after besides Ben Morrison, Nakai Martinez, and Jake Pope? So obviously we, we got into that during the show, but Jake Pope is being recruited as a safety for Notre Dame. Um, and then he also asked, is Devin Moore a take for Notre Dame since Nwakpa looks to be going elsewhere at this point? So uh, we've talked about Nwakpa, Xavier Nwakpa, uh, you know, We'll find out. If he comes out of Ohio State uncommitted, then I think Notre Dame's got a chance. But Devin Moore's being recruited to play corner at Notre Dame, not safety. Uh, and then this question is, Colin also asked, would you rather have Sherrod Colville or Devin Moore? Who seems like more likely option at this point? I think Notre Dame's in the mix with both of them. I think Devin Moore's being recruited to play corner, however, and I think Sherrod Colville's being recruited to play safety. So I like Devin Moore even more as a safety. Notre Dame's recruiting him as a corner. Yes, he could end up being a safety, but they're going to recruit him at corner and give him every opportunity to play corner uh, at Notre Dame. So there, there, there's not an or there with those two players. But I do think that Notre Dame has a good shot with both guys. Um, now, Koval, not as much as Devin Moore. He's got to get on campus, and they got to really knock it out of the park. Penn State's in that one. Some other schools are in that one. Uh, Clemson's in that one. But but if they can if they can really knock out the vis the official visit uh, for um, Sherrod Colville, who, I mean, y'all know I love him because he's a he's a Virginia kid, but he's also an absolute thumper. We're going to get to the safety board here soon. This kid absolutely destroys people as a hitter. I love that kid, but he's also really athletic and a really talented player. So I like Sherrod Colville quite a bit. He will be on campus this summer. He has a visit set up uh, for the June 21 to 23rd, which is in between the 18th and 20th and the 25th 5th and 27th weekend visit. So he's going to kind of have a midweek visit. Not going to be a lot of guys on campus at that time, which means Notre Dame is going to absolutely be able to lay out the entire red carpet for that kid and really love him up. So I, I, I that's a, a good timing uh, for that. I don't know if that was his choice or Notre Dame's, but it's going to work out either way. Colin also says, where do things stand between Notre Dame and two, 2023 safety Jack Luttrell? It seems to me that Luttrell is very interested in Notre Dame. He is very interested in Notre Dame. He's going to be on campus this summer. I I'm not sure the exact date he's supposed to work out at uh, one of Notre Dame's junior camps, one of their summer camps. If he do, if he does as well as I think he's going to do, I think he's a guy that they could then say, hey, we really want you in the class. I think that that's when they would really push to get him. But I think he's going to have to impress in the camp. And I had a, a source told me sort of the same thing the other day. 
but they like him a lot. They love his film and, uh, and, and he likes Notre Dame a lot. So it's a really good fit for, for both of them. But I don't think it's quite, I don't think it's quite a done deal yet. Matt said, asked, when do you think Nakai Martinez will commit? And do we have a shot at Denver Harris? I think, I think Nakai has said to my sources, he said to other people that he wants to commit this summer after his visits. Now, what I don't know if he's going to try to schedule some more visits, if things maybe don't go as well as he likes at Notre Dame or if maybe some other schools get in the mix, he could prolong it. But I think if Notre Dame, if he visits Notre Dame on the 18th or the 20th and Notre Dame says, we want you, you have the green light to commit, I think Notre Dame will get him. If they don't, and we'll have an idea probably before the visit, then I think South Carolina or UCF will, will be the option. Unless he decides, okay, I want some different options. I'm going to carry my recruitment in the fall. But but I think he's going to be a summer commitment. I just don't know if it's going to be Notre Dame or not. All right, Colin C. says, who are the 2023 secondary players, corners, and safeties that Notre Dame is recruiting the hardest at this point in time? Well, number one, they're on a lot of guys, and, and they're recruiting a lot of guys hard. But there are some guys that I believe are at the top of the board. Now, I'm not necessarily counting Sonny Styles as a secondary player. I think he's more of a safety rover at this point in time. But Notre Dame at safety is recruiting Caleb Downs very hard. They're recruiting Terrence Love pretty hard. They're recruiting Jack Luttrell very hard uh, that I know of for a fact. Michael Daugherty is a guy that they're on, but I don't know if they're pushing quite as hard as for him as those other players. Those are the guys that I'm aware of that they're recruiting the hardest. Now, there's a couple guys like Tamir Robinson that I'm still trying to, to get information on that I, I don't quite know where they stand with him. Uh, he's a guy, Peyton Bowen from Texas. I'm not quite sure where they are with him uh, at this point in time, so I'm, I'm still trying to get some more information there. A, at cornerback, A.J. Harris is, is a big-time priority recruit. They're going to they're gonna recruit him as hard as just about anybody in the class, regardless of position. Kyan Lee is a top target for them. Ethan Nation is a guy that they're on pretty hard as well. So those are all some very talented cornerbacks that the staff right now is is making a hard push for in the 2023 class. Coleman Smith asks, who do you think complements each other more, Morrison and Colville or Martinez and Colville? So Colville is a safety for Notre Dame, and, and so I don't think there's necessarily a, a, a corner that complement situation that you really need to worry about. I think it's more about getting him to be a safety and then who complements him at safety. Do you, do you want a Jake Pope type of guy? Do you put it all in for Xavier Nawank at that point in time, assuming he's still uncommitted? Or you do you just say, hey, we're going to take one safety in this class, really ramp it up for safeties in next year's class, and, uh, and you know, hey, if we don't get Nawank and Pope, we're going to call it a day. Oh, and K.J. Winston's another guy at safety that they're going to they're gonna push for. I like Colville more than Winston, and I think they're very similar players. So I don't know if I would take more, but part of that is I say that with a major, big, giant asterisk because I just haven't seen a ton of film of K.J. Winston. And the only film we've seen is sophomore film. The most impressive stuff out there. So the, the most impressive stuff on him is camp film. And right now, there's there's not a lot of that. So um, And then whatever happened that kicked me out of the chat, it lost all of the comments after that question. So if you asked a question after that, I can't see it anymore. So I don't know what happened. I don't know why I got kicked out of the chat. Uh, StreamYard is acting a little funky tonight. So if you asked a question and I haven't answered it yet, that's why I haven't answered it. 
if you can get it in, you know, real quick and ask me the questions that you want to know, I, I'll give you, I'll give you guys all a minute or two to, to get that, that back in there. But right now I'm, I apologize. I can't see any of those questions. So, um, is, are people still in the chat? Can you all still hear me? Is everybody still good to go? Cause I don't see any, I don't see any comments right now. Okay, Joseph, thank you for throwing that one in there. Um, Joseph says, is Ephesians price stock still on the board? Don't know much about his recruitment, but if Tui Alamaka comes to Notre Dame, I feel like they would have a shot. I don't know. Notre Dame hasn't necessarily been able to make a ton of a, a ton of ground up on him. He likes Notre Dame. I don't know if, if he loves Notre Dame. I think he's a kid that USC is in a much better position for. And I don't think they're necessarily pushing for him. I like Ephesians a lot, but I, I I don't grade him out quite as high as Benjamin Morrison and Devin Moore. And right now, those guys are are at the top of the board. KMA Preston says, and thanks for letting me know that you guys are sitting here. I don't know what happened. Like I wasn't touching my mouse or anything. It just kind of booted me from the chat, and it'll do that every now and then. So, And usually when I come back, the, chats, the questions are still up, but today, for some reason, they were not. Preston asks, is Notre Dame still pursuing a Caleb Evans? Will Notre Dame land him? And what do you think about him? My understanding is they are still recruiting him. Uh, I think when Texas threw their hat in the ring, I think that shook some things up. Now, I still think Notre Dame has a shot, but um, I don't know if that's one that is as, as cut and dry as it was before. There's some really good programs after him. I think the Notre Dame is also still, uh, to me, Notre Dame is also, they're, they're, I think they're still doing their homework. And I think when you look at, when you look at transfers, it's just not as easy for Notre Dame. It's just not. It's actually, I would argue, and and I would argue that it's harder for Notre Dame to get transfers into school than it is high school kids. They, they have much more wiggle room for kids that maybe don't meet the normal academic profile for for transfers than they do for um, than they do for for. Uh, there's more wiggle room for high school kids than there are transfers. Uh, so as a player, I love him. You know, he's very long. He's six two. He's one eighty five. He's very got really great feet. Um, we did a little bit of a breakdown of him recently uh, in one of the most recent uh, deals that we did, Preston. So you might want to check that out. But love his feet, real smooth. He's not a burner. At least he doesn't seem it on film. But he's kind of smooth. So maybe that masks some of his some of his speed a little bit. Tremendous length. Gets his hands on a lot of balls. But he's not a really interception kind of guy. He. Doesn't have the greatest ball skills. He kind of makes plays on the ball with his length. Not so much. He's not great at finding the ball. But uh, you know, he's played against Oklahoma a couple times. Played against Texas. Played against Mississippi State, and he's shined in those games. And of course, the Notre Dame coaching staff, Mike Mickens and Marcus Freeman, have both seen him. And so the, he's certainly a guy that that they could get on there. Jeff Fluke says that he could could ask could Devin Moore make a rankings jump like Kyle Hamilton. I, I mean, I don't know if he can get all the way up to a five-star because I don't think he is a five-star. But, I I mean, to me, I talked to somebody from 247 Sports the other day, and they said that there's a good chance he's going to make a jump for them. I don't know how much. But, uh, but yeah, he should. I mean, I, I definitely think he should. So, this – this <laughs> oh, goodness, this is always funny. So, uh, Arkansas last year went three and seven. Right. Remember, no name was supposed to play Arkansas. And this is a comment that somebody, uh, somebody from the from some Arkansas fan just put. Don't you love it? <laughs> so uh, we're gonna go ahead and boot that person from the chat because 
I mean, if you're from Georgia or Alabama and you want to talk trash to Notre Dame, feel free. You know, Notre Dame's over against those schools. Last I checked, however, Notre Dame has beat LSU a couple times, Vanderbilt, the schools like that, and, and Arkansas. I mean, you should worry about beating like FCS teams. Don't worry about Notre Dame. So we're going to go ahead and boot you out of this room because that's just dumb. Uh, my apologies, everybody, but that was just too funny to ignore. An Arkansas fan. Oh, SEC fans are hilarious. Okay, Jeff Fluke asks, how many DBs in this class? I think they're going to take at least four, and I think they could get up to five with the right five. I mean, remember, they signed six DBs last year. So I don't think you necessarily want to go too far past that, especially since this isn't a, a great safety class. And to a question that was asked earlier from um, trying to find who put that one up earlier, well, I can't find it now because it was already addressed and we lost those. But they were asking about, you know, may, maybe moving on to 2023. The fact that they are still on some higher ranked kids or early on with 2023, I don't think you need to necessarily push to meet numbers in 22. I think you focus on landing guys that you view as impact players. And look, right, I showed earlier on the on the earlier chat, you know, we, our new merch store, and one of the things is gap closes, right? So that's a phrase we use here. To me, a, a class of Mickey Morrison and Moore, and one of Sherrod Koval or a Xavier Nwong put safety, to me, that is a gap-closing class of cornerback. And, and I mean the secondary, in my opinion. It just it flat out is. I like Jake Pope a lot. I like K.J. Winston. But I don't know if those guys are are gap-closers. I like Nakai Martinez and Jaden Bellamy. They're not gap-closers. The Morrison, Mickey, and and uh, Moore as a group would be, and then Colville and Nwong put to me, would be. Those are the gap-closers that I see in this class. All right, all right, Rob Jaworowski, I hope I'm saying that right, says, do you think we will land a five-star? Uh, I don't know if there's any five-stars on the board. I think that Xavier Nwankpa is close on one of the outlets of being a five-star. Maybe 247 has him as a five-star, but uh, he is not. I mean, but but no, I don't, I don't see any of the five-stars on the board right now, and I don't see there's not a ton of five-star DBs in this class, period. And and as you as you know, if you've listened to me at all, I don't really care much about landing five stars. I land I care about ceilings and uh, talent more so than recruiting rankings. All right, Brandon asks, would you take Brown over Morrison or more in this class? Not even close. It's not even a question for me, Brandon. And I'm being a hundred percent completely honest with you. If all three of those guys called me today and I had and said I want to commit, and I only had two spots. I take Benjamin Morrison and Devin Moore over Jair Brown right away. Uh, and, and I wouldn't lose a second sleep about it. And I think Jair Brown's a good football player. But as I explained earlier, I just think those kids are better. And I especially think their ceilings are higher. There's no question about it. And then Roderick asks, do you think Morrison and Moore are needle movers? Yes, they are needle movers. They are gap closers. Come on, Roderick. Gap closers, baby. Roger, let me explain what I mean by that. And as we talked about in the one show, and I'm not sure if you were in that show, but there's two types of gap closers for me. There's the guys that are, are basically gap erasers, right? Which, you know, those gap closers are, you know, Kamara Rogers, where, okay, that's as good as those teams get. He is a stud. Gap is closed. But then there are the players that, to me, are close to the level of the guys that those schools have, but definitely better than what you've been doing. And to me, that's Morrison and Moore. Are they elite five-star players that, that people like to talk about? No, I don't think so. 
but I don't really care because you know Troy Pry and Julian Love weren't five star recruits coming to high school either. And if Notre Dame can can have a a Love and a Pride type of cornerback every year, they're going to be great at corner. So to me, and those were two fourth round draft picks, right? I mean, so I, I don't think they necessarily need the the Patrick Sertans at, at cornerback. It's nice to have, but you don't need it. Benjamin and Morrison to me, and Devin Moore are are absolutely to me, gap closers. There's no question. Uh, Jeff said, somebody asked for an update on Gould. That is correct. Notre Dame was very, very high on him early, but they've backed off of him. There are some potential injury concerns there that have them a little bit concerned. And I also think that the success of some of the bigger corners on the roster now has factored into that as well. And, and I think there's some concerns about does, does with the injury, can he translate to corner? So they have pretty much backed off of him right now. I don't see them recruiting him right now, and I don't see that changing uh, anytime soon. So Connor says, my question was, is there an undervalued cornerback recruit in this class? Yeah, I think, I think Benjamin Morrison and Devin Moore big time are undervalued. I think that Benjamin Morrison, not as much because he is a four-star consensus four-star Devin Moore to me is very undervalued. I don't necessarily consider Jade Mickey undervalued, even though I'd rank him a little bit higher than the services because they have him sort of in a good range. I think that, you know, when you look at where Jade Mickey is ranked right now, Rivals has him at number, let's see here, uh, 247 Sports has him at number 184. That's about a good range, maybe a tad higher. ESPN has him at number 264. I'd rank him definitely higher than that, but again, it's not like way off. It's not like he's a top 30 player, and they got him at 264. And then Rivals has him out of the top 250, but still a four-star. So I don't think that's necessarily undervalued. I think they underrank him a little bit. But And same with Benjamin Morrison. He's a consensus four-star kid. Rivals has him at number 249, 247 in ESPN. To me, he's a top 150 guy. So that is a little bit of being undervalued. But Devin Moore, as a consensus three-star, when I think he's a top 100 to 150 player, is incredibly undervalued in this class. Griff says, any thoughts on the new receiver offers for 22 and 23? I don't. I did, however, talk to uh, – I'm trying to think – Omari – Amari Kelly, I talked to him a little bit earlier today. I'm supposed to interview him tomorrow, so I'll find a little bit more about about him, but I don't have a whole lot of an opinion on that. 23, they're just they're just throwing out offers to talented players and trying to establish that relationship, which is good. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't have too much of a strong opinion on on that at this point in time. Brandon asks, "Who's the four or five man DB class?" Wait a minute, her my my son did that. My bad. Okay, let's see here. All right. Let's go back up here. So your son's out here throwing out questions. Okay, let's see here. Brandon says, who is your four to five man DB class in 2022, excluding the Wampa? That would close the gap. I'm going more, more Mickey, Morrison, Pope, and Colville. Yeah, that that that's absolutely a gap closing, gap closing class. I think even if you took Pope out, that is a gap closing secondary class. I think you land that five right there. That's five top 150 caliber football players, in my opinion. Maybe Pope's more of a 200 to 250 guy, but Colville, Morrison, Mickey, and Moore are all top 150 players for me. That is absolutely a gap-closing class, Brandon, and that would be a class that I think especially – here's the other thing. Especially when you bring it a year after, you got Ryan Barnes, Philip Riley, JoJo, Chance Tucker, Kerry G, and Justin Walters, which I felt was also a gap-closing class. This class would actually grade out even higher than that class. 
which says a lot. I think Ryan Barnes is very similar in grade to the guys now, but I think that Moore and Morrison especially grade out higher than the other three corners. And I like Kerry G and I like Justin Walters, but but uh, Sherrod Coble would grade out higher than both of them. So yeah, that is an absolutely a gap closing secondary class. And then of course, if you get in a wonk, uh, you know, sure. But I, but you said remove Koval. I personally, if you get Nwangpa, I think he's more of a free safety type. And then you'd have Koval as sort of your alley, you know, boundary player. So I'd still take Koval over Jake Pope, but I'd be happy with either one of them. They're all really good football players. Uh, Coleman Smith asked, does the possibility of getting Bellamy improve chances to get Gould? I don't think they're recruiting Gould. I think that was a Notre Dame choice. It's not that he doesn't like them. Uh, they they were they could have got him. I think they could have got a commitment from Jaden Gould if they would have kept recruiting him, but I don't think uh, – I just don't think they're recruiting him anymore. Let's see some next questions here. Let's see who that is. So this is Rob asking a question again. Who in the 2021 class do you think will make immediate impact in secondary right away? So did a show about this a couple of days ago, Rob. I think that I think that that Ryan Barnes and Philip Riley, one of those two, is going to play this year. Not necessarily start, but they're they're going to play. And it's sa- safety. I think Kerry G and Justin Walters are both going to play. Maybe not a ton at safety, but definitely on special teams. So I think we're going to see them. And I think Philip Riley is another guy that that. You could see both Barnes and Riley playing, especially if Barnes is able to play corner, because I think Riley's going to get on the field at least in special teams. And then, of course, you know, we have to wait and see what what Chance and JoJo can do when they get on campus in, in the fall. But, you know, they bring some value in the slot, in my opinion, to this class. So a lot of those guys are going to get a chance to push just because there's not great depth at secondary right now. Roger says, I don't get caught up in rankings either. Good man. Very good man. Okay, Coleman Smith says, how do you think this class will compare to the 2021 class, which in your opinion is the better group according to your evaluation? So for me, if if they get – so let's go with Brandon's you know, gap-closing ideal class, right? And that is Jade Mickey already in the class. You get Devin Moore, Benjamin Morrison. You get Sherrod Colville, and you get – what do you say, Jake Pope was your other one? To me – I'd think that if I were to rank the four safeties, it would be Colville, number one. It would be G, number two. It'd be Pope, number three. And it would be Walters, number four, which means I like this this year's safety class just a little bit better. Although I think last year's class brings a little bit more versatility because I think Kerry G could end up being a, a rover if you needed him to. Uh, so the other one is a cornerback. So Ryan Barnes, to me, is on the same level as Devin Moore and and Benjamin Morrison, even a little bit higher. I'm very high on Ryan Barnes. Now, the thing that hurt Ryan is he didn't get a chance to play his senior year, but you know, we can now compare his most recent film. I'm, so I'm comparing him as a junior, slightly higher. But my next two corners for sure, actually my next three corners, are the kids from the 22 class. So it'd be, it'd be Mickey, Morrison, and Moore. And if we're going to write order, it's Morrison, Moore, and Mickey in my order of ranking, I'd rank all of them higher than Philip Riley as a pure corner. Now, Philip Riley would be a little bit higher in a, like a, a, like a recruiting rankings type of listing where it's like, you know, top one through 25 or one through 250. Because when you add in value to him as a guy that can play multiple positions, he could be a nickel. He could be a safety. Then as just a pure, like recruiting rankings, independent of position, Philip Riley would be ahead of those, those guys. 
But as a pure corner, I graded all three of those guys out just as pure corner. So Philip Riley, for me, got two grades. And I graded him differently because I graded him sort of as an athlete, a secondary athlete. And so that bumped it up. That was like that intangibles grade. But if you just look at the the skills to play corner, just the pure cornerback grade, he did not grade out as high and, and across the board other than size and strength with those other players. Still a very good player. So that is how I compare those two classes. I would put this 22 class uh, even higher. Lamont J says, is Drake Bowen a, a needle mover? Is he a gap closer? Um, I think so based on where he is right now, Lamont. But I'm always hesitant to get too fired up about sophomores just because we don't know how they're going to develop. If Drake Bowen doesn't get any better between now and the senior year, he's not going to be a top 50 player like he is now. And, and a perfect example is Josh Myers, who played at Ohio State. Now, Josh Myers is still a really good football player. Don't get me wrong. He just got drafted. But when I saw Josh as a sophomore, he was one of the best sophomore offensive linemen I've ever seen. But as he got older, his he he kind of filled out. And in his case, it meant he got a little tighter. His hips got tighter. His feet weren't quite as, as sudden. He wasn't as laterally quick. So even though he was still like a top 200 player and ended up being a drafted player from Ohio State, he wasn't the elite top 25 star, right? So that's the thing with Drake is based on what we know now, yes, I do think he's a gap closer, but he's got to, like all kids in that class, he's got to continue to develop and make the, the the maturation as a player, his body, his game of athleticism from sophomore to junior to senior. So, yeah, it's still it's still a, a, a work in progress, but but I see him you know being a guy that could do that. Jeff says, do you think it's possible to finish the 2022 class with, with all four-star recruits? I know stars are overhyped. All four stars on my board, certainly possible. Uh, I hope Devin Moore is no longer ranked as a four-star, but well, if, no, if Notre Dame gets Xavion Bradshaw, they're not going to rank him as a four-star player. There's, he's not going to go to camps. He's not going to, you know, he's still going to be out in the middle of nowhere. But for me, yeah, it's possible. I, I don't think they're going to do it, but I think it's certainly possible. They will a linebacker. They they probably will on the offensive line. Receiver, uh, you know, if they get the guys that I want, then on my board, yeah. Running back, yeah cornerback on my board yeah i mean I, I, unless they strike out big time you know could could they get close to that so yeah if you want to talk about like four star recruits on my board on my rankings absolutely brandon says i was thinking pope was a strong safety i think that's what he does in high school but i i think that number one notre dame is sort of a too high look they want some interchangeableness to be able to play free and to roll there's not technically a true strong safety or free safety. It's boundary and field, and both guys have to be able to do a little bit of both. I think Coble's more of a boundary player. I think I think that Pope can be a field safety. I think that's where I like him. He can play the alleys. He's very rangy. He can also play center field. So that's that's where I see him playing, to answer your, your follow-up question. Last couple of questions from John A1. All right. So, yeah, John, I, I kind of answered that one. Yeah, so what does Notre Dame need to do to top the 2021 class in 2022? Are you talking about just a DB? If we're talking just a DB, John, I think that it's a situation where it's with the guys we talked about. So you got to get Devin Moore. You've got to keep Jaden Mickey in the class. you got to get Devin Moore. you got to get Benjamin Morrison. And then you need to get at least one of Colville, Pope, or um, Nwankpa. Now, with K.J. Winston – 
he's sort of an incomplete for me just because there's just not a lot of film. I know that the Notre Dame staff likes KJ Winston a lot. I just haven't seen a lot of good film of him. So that's why I don't talk about him much. I know that Notre Dame likes him a lot. I know that Penn State likes him a lot. I just, I haven't seen film and I, I can't make a strong, nah, I don't love him film off of very, very limited sophomore film. I mean, literally all I've seen is like a three minute highlight tape of his sophomore year. I can't find game film of him. I don't have junior film of him because he didn't play as a junior because of Maryland not having football. So it's really hard for me to say for sure where he is. Now, if if he's as good as what I've been told the Notre Dame coaches think of him, then then you know, then then that would be part of it too. But they have to get at least one of those safeties. If they get two of them, then with those corners, then it's a it's a no. I mean, you could be talking about if they got Kept Mickey, and when I say kept Mickey, it's just just for the sake of argument. I, I have no concern about Notre Dame losing Jaden Mickey. Keep Mickey, get Morrison, get more, and let's say they land Colville and Pope, or Colville and Winston, or Pope and Winston, and and Winston's as good as the Notre Dame. My Notre Dame sources tell me he is because again, I, I don't have a strong opinion of him one way or the other because I just don't have a lot of information. But if he's as good as they say, you could be talking about this being a, a secondary class that's up for debate of the best that we've seen of the Notre Dame uh, since we've seen at Notre Dame. And I mean that's a that's a strong class. And now we've seen some in, some good safety classes, we've seen some good corner classes, but we've never seen both in the same year to the level of what this class could be. This question from DBZ, and I believe this is the last one. So if you're still in the chat, and there's not a lot of people left in the chat right now, but if you're still in and you have some questions, get them in now. Otherwise, we're going to wrap up after DBZ's question here. And uh, let's see, what's the one corner safety you would take over all others? I mean, so let me just say this preface of I don't want to just take one because they need multiple players, but to stick to your question, if if you could say, hey, you could you could pick one guy that you're gonna guarantee Notre Dame is gonna get in this class and be Xavier Nwangpo. I think Xavier Nwangpo would be the second best safety to sign at Notre Dame in the Brian Kelly tenure, other than Kyle Hamilton. And and he's even got some things that he does better than Kyle Hamilton. But overall, Kyle Hamilton had the higher ceiling. I think Xavier's is a little bit more advanced than Kyle was as a junior. He's a little bit more filled out. Kyle had the higher ceiling, even as a junior, but he would be the second best safety that Notre Dame would sign. And and you talk about a guy that would be able to kind of step into that role and do a lot of the things that Kyle Hamilton did. Uh, you know, and I think that's what Notre Dame is going to sell him on is that right there. So that's kind of that's kind of where I see it uh, at the, right now is 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 he's the one guy. You know, somebody asked earlier, you know, if, if will Notre Dame sign any five stars? He'd be that guy. You know, right now he's a four and a half star for me, just top fifty player. I don't, I don't hand out many five star grades as juniors. I just don't. But uh, if he progresses the way that I think he's going to progress, he'll be a five star when it's all said and done. And so he'd be the guy. I mean, he's a, he is a, he's not just a gap closer. He's a game changer, just like Kyle Hamilton was a game changer. That's how highly I think of Xavier Wampa. So that is it. So if, and if there's no other questions, and that's going to do it for today's show. Before you leave, please hit the like button. Uh, we'll be back again next Wednesday with another recruiting. Uh, we might even do one a little bit sooner, so just kind of stay it locked in. Uh, DBZ follows up. If they got that player, could he come in and start right away? Yeah, I think he'd have a shot. I think he'd have a shot to come and start right away. Uh, but hit the like button, please. Hit the subscribe button. 
subscribe button. Uh, hit share this uh, share this podcast, this YouTube link with your friends. Tell your Notre Dame friends about what we're doing. Check out irishbreakdown.com. You can see it right down there. The subscribe button is right over here. You'll see it. It's a little IB logo. If you click on that IB logo down there, it is the subscribe button. And uh, make sure that if you're listening via podcast, that you give us a please give us a five star review. Sign up for our newsletter, which you'll find out at the very bottom, and uh, and get going. And then Martin says, "Who just joined?" Martin, I don't know what happened, man. Eight o'clock, baby. You got to be with us. And you came in a little bit late. He's got to bust out another stogie for this podcast. Go for it. We're going to wrap up here now, Martin, so you'll be able to go back to the very beginning and check it all out. There's some very talented players on the board that we were talking about. So, um, uh, Liam Burke, great stream. Thank you for that, Liam. I appreciate it. Jeff Fluke says, I want to see Morrison and Mickey outside with Nwakpa and more on to the other safety. Be a heck of a group. And if you could, th- if you could, I mean, that'd, that'd be a heck of a group. And if you could get a Koval or Pope and leave more at corner, and you could put one of those corners in the slot and have those other two, you know, Nawakpa and then that other safety deep. That'd be one heck of a group, Jeff. There's no doubt about it. So um, everybody have a great night. Thanks for joining us tonight. That was definitely the uh, the loyal ones were here tonight. The the diehards, the people that love film were here with me tonight. So I enjoyed it. We'll try to get a couple more of these in this next week. Next week, maybe get a couple more before the June visit start because I want to get an O-line one in before the June visits. I want to get uh, – uh, the safety one in before the June visits. I like to get the linebacker one in before the June visits start because then things might change. So uh, stay locked in. Stay Pay attention to when we might have some other shows. I'll try to give as much advance notice as I can. Um, but some of those – and some of those might even be at the 1 o'clock hour next week. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But thanks for joining me. Everybody had a great rest of your night. Talk to you all again very, very soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.